0: So as we come to our sermon this week, we find ourselves looking at what we call the ascension of Jesus, and it's in the very beginning of the book of Acts. At the very beginning of his book, Luke writes, in the first book, Theophilus, this is the same person that he wrote the book of Luke. Luke. Did and taught from the very beginning until the day that he was taken up into heaven and the thing is in our tradition we don't really tend to make much of a deal of ascension at all we celebrate the the three major events in Jesus's life we celebrate the Jesus's birth at Christmas with that journey through Advent and we quite rightly have a a wonderful celebration near the end of December as we think about God coming to be with us Emmanuel God with us we mark Jesus's death as we journey through Holy Week together and we pause on Good Friday you might tend to wonder why we call it Good Friday and when Jesus went to the cross it's a Good Friday because the reason that that it was good is because it was Jesus was brought back to us, but it brought us back into that right relationship with God, that Jesus' sacrifice in place of us meant that our sins were atoned, that we were back into that right relationship with God. And of course we celebrate Jesus' glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday. But then we have a, a tendency. In our tradition to jump straight to Pentecost, we don't tend to pause on Jesus' Ascension. It tends to be ignored, not in all traditions. There are certainly a lot of traditions that do hold on to the Ascension. But it's a shame because it's so significant to us that, it, that we shouldn't just ignore it and rush towards Pentecost. Just as Luke is reintroducing the concept of Jesus and the story that he had sent to Theophilus and introducing this part two of his work, it's important that we don't ignore the importance of Jesus ascending into heaven because it was one of the things that Jesus said would happen, something that Jesus said he would do. And again, I've said it many times, When Jesus makes a promise, you can take it to the bank because it's that secure. Here's an example of something that Jesus said was going to happen and it did. We shouldn't ignore it. Luke is re-emphasizing the importance of this Jesus that he has been writing to Theophilus about. And equally that humanity is moving into this new chapter, the other side of the resurrection. And ultimately the other side of Jesus' ascension. That Jesus was going to be going to be with the Father. And that was the plan all along. That it was going to be this birth of a new chapter in humankind. That not only Jesus would go to the Father, but that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell amongst us and over us and in us. That would mark the beginning of this new chapter of humankind. And in verse 3 we read that he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Luke is continuing to catch up the reader to this point. All of the things in his book, Luke. The gospel according to luke he's catching people up this is where we are now jesus had came back as his resurrection and he stayed with his disciples convincing proofs teaching them about the kingdom spends 40 days with them and that amazes me that jesus didn't just disappear he didn't just disappear he knew that it was important to his disciples that they were prepared, that they were ready for this next chapter, the birth of the church here on earth. It was incredibly important to Jesus. He loved his friends so much that they would be prepared before he ascended into heaven. In verses 4 and 5, we read that they're eating together, and that while they are eating together, Jesus gives them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Don't leave Jerusalem. It's incredibly important that you all stay together. Jesus knows that they're going to come under a lot of pressure. A lot of trouble. People weren't happy with the disciples. They certainly wouldn't be happy if they were going around telling them that Jesus was alive. There's going to be a lot of unrest. Indeed, the disciples themselves would have probably been quite anxious about what was going to happen. You know, they'll have Seen what happened to Jesus and think, well, is that going to happen to us? Equally, quite anxious of is this Jesus finally leaving us? Are we going to be all alone? Jesus is reminding them, you need to comfort one another. You need to stay together in that one place. Something about a strength in number. You know, strength in numbers looking to comfort one another. Jesus has spoken to them, taught them about the kingdom, but there's still going to be that uncertainty of not knowing what the future is going to look like. And indeed, as a church, as a denomination, we're not quite sure what that future will look like. A lot of uncertainty ahead of us. I was thankful when I watched back The service from last week, David showing that humility to be able to admit that sometimes when you're asked the question, how do we do this thing? What is it going to look like? Sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know. It takes a certain level of humility to be able to do that. But in a christian sense when we say i don't know what we're saying is while i don't know i do know that i place my faith and my hope in the one that does know so while we say i don't know we place our faith in the one that does jesus is saying look you need to go to jerusalem don't run stay together It is important that you stand firm and you do it together. Comfort one another. Safety in numbers. You aren't quite ready for this next stage, but you will be in a matter of days, as long as you stay together. Because when you stay together in Jerusalem, that gift my father promised you will come. Jesus said that when he went to go and be with the father, that the helper would come the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus also reminds them that as John the Baptist was an incredibly important man with an incredibly important ministry as he baptized God's people in the River Jordan, he did it with water. But that God was about to baptize his people with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And we'll look at that next week. And now we come to the part that Leslie read out. From verse six. We read in verse six that they're gathered round him. And they asked, Lord, is this is it time? Is it is this the time that you're going to come and restore the kingdom of Israel? And you can imagine the excitement bubbling up in them. A bit like this. You know, they're kind of bubbling up within them. Is this now time? Is it happening? It's all going to be perfect. The world is going to be restored to the way it was meant to be. The thing is, all the way throughout the Gospels, we read not only of Peter. Peter is the chief one. But of all of the disciples, rushing ahead, not getting the point because they want to get to the conclusion. They fail to see the bigger picture. After all they've gone through the, the, the suffering, the grief of thinking that Jesus was dead and gone. That everything, it was all for nothing. These disciples had followed Jesus for three years. and the way that it ended. You can understand their excitement as Jesus is talking to them about the coming kingdom and the Holy Spirit. And it's from that place that they're asking, is this it? Are you finally going to get rid of the Roman occupation? And are we now going to see your kingdom come to air?" But Jesus continues in verses 7 and 8. And he says, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In all Judea and Samaria, and indeed to the ends of the earth. From that place of excitement, they're hit with this bombshell. It's not for them to know the date or time that it will happen. The Father has it planned out. You need to be patient. The thing is, that can be really, really hard. Maybe it's just me. Am I the only one that struggles to be patient at times? As I said, we don't know exactly what the future looks like for our church here as a denomination, but God does. God does. And if we keep our eyes fixed on Him, then we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to pull ourselves away and be in that place of of helplessness because we're placing our faith in the one who knows the plan. But it can be really hard to be patient because as human beings here in the 21st century, we are no different to those first disciples. We want to rush to the conclusion. We want everything to be okay. We want everything to be Just in its right place, we'll be content. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be in a good place. But it does make it difficult to be patient at times. This past week in our our prayer meeting, there was a very strong scripture that came through and I I really felt it was was apt for us. And that was, be still and know that I am God. That wonderful verse from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. And we need to rest in that place, completely focused on Jesus. We don't always know what the future will look like. And it's not for us to know the the dates and the times. The Father has set them it's not for us to know them any more than it was for those first disciples but jesus doesn't just say look that's it i'll see you later guys i'm gonna wait to leave he remains with them reminds them that this being still isn't an idle activity you don't just sit and wait He reminds them of that great co That hasn't gone away. That command at the end of Matthew's gospel. He says, go and make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses, is what Jesus says. Stay in Jerusalem. Be together in prayer. Focus on God together. You'll eventually receive that power of the Holy Spirit, and it will come upon you. And when it does come upon you, you need to go and spread the message, spread the good news, spread the gospel, because you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And hallelujah, that they took that seriously, that we can be here this morning, on the other side of the world, able to worship Jesus, because someone took that command and shared the gospel. And then in verse 9, he says, when he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus has ascended into heaven. You can imagine that that joy and that excitement that that had been bubbling up as Jesus is speaking to them about the kingdom and the power of the, the Holy Spirit just immediately gone replaced with confusion and numbness as he's now once again taken away from them. Jesus has just told them what was about to happen, probably about 30 seconds ago, yet they have forgotten. They're numbed again, stuck in that place. Even the news that the Holy Spirit was coming wasn't enough to shake them into action. They're numbed to their current circumstance. We find them looking up in the sky for, for Jesus. The clouds are in the way and they can't see him anymore. And the thing is, how often do we allow our, our joy or our excitement to, to drop because we've taken our eyes away from Jesus or we can't see him? You know, there's a lot of things that go on in our world that, indeed, a number of things that have happened this week where we look the tv or we look at the news articles and we think where was god in that where was god the thing is you might remember a few weeks ago when i said look your your faith is is secure your your doubts do not disqualify you from your salvation jesus bought that for you it is human nature to have doubts And when we see things like some of the things we've seen this week, it's not out of the box to think, where was God in that? And it steals our joy and our zeal. Because the thing is, when we take our eyes away from, from God, our joy and our excitement can drop just as it did for those disciples. We need to hold fast to the truth that that Jesus is with us. He said he would be with us, and he is with us by his Spirit. He's there all the time. We might not necessarily see it, but he is there. And the thing is, we live on the other side of that Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is with us, and we welcome the Holy Spirit here. It is around us. It is in us. We're baptized into the the family of God. We can hold fast to that truth that Jesus isn't gone. He is with us. And in verse 10, as they're still looking up into the sky for Jesus, we read that there are two men dressed in white standing beside them. We can imagine that they're angels. Angels. We don't know how long they've been standing and waiting. But it does say suddenly. so probably not very long at all. And the thing is, sometimes God can work and transform situations over a great period of time. Sometimes it is immediately. We see that happening all the time. You know, where we've maybe been praying for something, and we see these immediate results where that prayer is answered immediately. Yet there are also other times where we've been praying with just the same amount of vigor, the same amount of faith, but nothing seems to be happening. Or it isn't happening as quick as we would like it to. We can't understand it. God can work in both ways. Sometimes take a while, and other times it can be in an instant. These disciples needed something, a little nudge, and God was able to do that. And it might bring to mind the the angels that we we find in the garden on Easter morning. And they say, He's not here. He's not here. Why are you looking for the, the living among the dead? And now they say, Jesus isn't here. See, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into it. Jesus will be coming back. And it will be just as instant and as magnificent as what has just happened, what you've just witnessed. But didn't he tell you to do something? Why are you standing around looking up into the sky? Jesus will return in a magnificent display. And we can read about it in the book of Revelation. He'll come back and it will be with supreme power. The world will eventually be fully restored to its original patterns where we have this new heaven and new earth. But until that day, we are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus' command, allowing the Holy Spirit to inspire us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to guide us. So that we can do the things that he's asking us to do. You know, we looked at the five marks of mission as a a starting point. That if we're going to be these fully devoted followers of Jesus, that these are the things that we should be doing as a sort of an outpouring of our gratitude and our love and our devotion to Jesus. And part of the overflow we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work of encouragement and strengthening and guiding and leading. We might not know what the future holds with very much clarity at all. But we do know that our faith is in the one who does know. And we should allow ourselves to be guided by that. The thing is, we might wonder why Jesus didn't just stay would have made evangelism a lot easier. We could have just pointed to him and said, there's Jesus there. We made it far easier. The thing is, though, if Jesus had stayed, then God's plan, God's perfect plan, that we don't know the dates or times, wouldn't have been able to be enacted. Jesus came to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. The plan was always for him to go to the cross to atone for our sins before returning to sit with the Father at his right hand in order that the Holy Spirit could come and be in amongst us. That Jesus could be at the right hand of the Father interceding for us to speak to the Father and say look, they're ready. Send the Holy Spirit Look, my disciples have gone to Jerusalem. They're huddled together. They're in prayer. They're ready. Send the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, Jesus continues to this very day to speak to the Father on our behalf. The Holy Spirit works in and amongst us that we might be that transformed people that are called to go and transform our world through that mission that Jesus has given us. That we might bring more people into that amazing relationship with God through Jesus. And the thing is, we can experience more and more of God every day of our lives as we enter into the mission. When we're fully invested in loving and serving God and God's people, it doesn't mean that life immediately becomes easy. It might even get a little bit more difficult. But life becomes easier when we know that we don't walk alone, that we walk together. We experience that closeness with God. It's amazing how much encouragement you can get from that. From a place of thinking you can't do it to thinking bring it on. We're reminded we never do life alone. The ascension of Jesus reminds us, and if you take anything away from this morning, let it be this, that God has a plan. God has a plan. And that plan is always enacted according to his timing and his will. We don't get to know the times and dates. But we do get to know that part of the plan was for Jesus to go and be with the Father and that the Holy Spirit would come upon us. We also get to know that we are part of a community, that part of that plan is for us to gather together as a church, a church community, where we love one another and we encourage one another and we receive encouragement from others. We might not necessarily know what the future holds for our church. We travel that journey together. We travel that journey together. And we're able to be guided by and walk forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us pray. Holy Spirit, we do welcome you here. And Lord Jesus, we are so thankful. We're so thankful that that your your promises ring so true that we can hold fast to them. Lord, for those times where we've failed to to step forward, numbed to our circumstance, we are so sorry. Lord, help us to always have our eyes fixed on you. And may you continue to guide us and lead us. Lord, might we always remember that that this is your church. And we have the privilege of being able to serve you and others. Help us to be better witnesses to Rutherglen, to Glasgow, to the rest of the country. And might our denomination never take our eyes away from you. Lord, we offer our prayer, our service, our whole lives to you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.